I'm Mary Ambrose, and this is the CG Podcast. This month, WikiLeaks fronting a government interference in an election, or is it just new journalism? Donald Trump is the president-elect of the United States, but it was a tight race. And one subject of speculation about it has been the effect of emails which were hacked from the Clinton campaign. I'm sure a lot of you may be asking what this new email story is about and why in the world the FBI would decide to jump into an election with no evidence of any wrongdoing with just days to go. The emails released by WikiLeaks days before the election exposed the inner workings of political operatives and revealed the private exchanges of high-ranking Democrat campaign officials. In an interview released three days before the election, the CEO of WikiLeaks, Julian Assange, said that Donald Trump won't be allowed to win. And he explained why. Trump would not be permitted to win. Why do I say that? Because he's had every establishment offside. Trump doesn't have one establishment, maybe with the exception of the evangelicals, if you can call them an establishment. But uh, banks, intelligence, uh, arms companies, beat foreign money, etc., is all united uh, behind Hillary Clinton. And... Uh, and the media. Julian Assange of WikiLeaks, who apparently doesn't see Fox News, a news organization very much in support of Donald Trump. That interview was conducted in the Ecuadorian embassy in London, where Assange lives. It was released on Russian television. It's certainly true that the mainstream media failed in this election. After the election, Assange put out a self-congratulatory statement applauding WikiLeaks and its new model of scientific journalism where all information is released and dismissing the mounting accusations that Russia was in any way affiliated with those released emails. David Mussington doesn't buy Assange's defense. I asked Professor Mussington because he knows a lot about hacked emails and not because he works out of his basement in his bathrobe. No, no. He has studied top-level cybercrime and cybersecurity. He's run projects on cyberspace and collective defense strategy for NATO. He ran the first evaluation of sharing cybersecurity for homeland security in the U.S. He's consulted on cyber norms of armed conflict. Do I have to say anything more? Because really, there is a lot more about what this man has done. He's also a senior fellow with CG. I asked David Mussington what he thought of Donald Trump's use of the hacked emails in the election campaign. Information doesn't just get out. It gets placed. It gets launched, launched into a particular context. That context is often not in the control of the journalist or, in fact, in control of the recipient. So there are economic contexts, there are political contexts, there are social contexts, there are media contexts as well. So a, a message or a signal that's sent into that environment isn't, isn't aimed precisely. It, is, it merely lands precisely, but has um, impacts that aren't really predictable. And I think that we've had an example of that recently in this election. Trump's use, your phrasing, um, is exactly what I'm talking about when I say that information lands in a context. It provides ammunition to political and social actors 
to pursue an objective. Obviously, Mr. Trump's objective was to frame his opponent um, as a corrupt person who was not um, fit for high office. Uh, WikiLeaks provided that ammunition through its dissemination of private and personal and uh, campaign information that was not meant for um, public disclosure, obviously. Um, where WikiLeaks got that information from matters, points of origin matter, and I think the attribution of the information source to to Russia by uh, DNI Clapper and uh, DHS Secretary Johnson shows that the origins themselves had a political political coloring or veneer to them. So WikiLeaks can't deny that they would know about the political consequences of their activities. It would be naive, and I don't think that Julian Assange is naive. I don't accuse him of that at all. So I, I think there's purposeful behavior here. And the notion that, quote, the banks and other people wouldn't let Trump be elected is obviously belied by the fact that he's now president-elect. Um, the, the naive notion that there was a hidden hand that was going to prevent the election of somebody, uh, thereby providing safety for uh, Julian Assange to act out his little morality play here, has been proven to be false. The emails that were released about the Democratic, uh, the Hillary Clinton campaign, really had no significant information at all that I could tell, but they were deeply embarrassing as as it is, you know, if you overheard somebody at a party saying, wow, Debbie looks fat in that dress. You know, I mean, they were about that, that level of information. People just, you know, venting and being too personal and being too over the top. Um, and, and yet, do you think that produced damage if only by as I was thinking, wow, I'd never want to work for a political campaign. <laughs> I think that the leaks reinforced the meme that Hillary Clinton was concealing information and, in a sense, saying one thing in private, one thing in public. I think that, like you, much of the public, many of the public, have never worked in a political campaign. They don't know about what internal communications take place, what sort of thinking and what-if analysis and free-flowing exchanges of information and honestly, Machiavellian scheming that goes on in campaigns. And I think that by opening up the Hillary Clinton campaign to this and not doing the same thing on the other side, a real injury was done to the integrity of the process. It would be different if an equal and opposite number of leaks had taken place about the, uh, the um, Trump campaign. Imagine uh, Mr. Trump accused of sexual assault by, by many women. Um, accused of fraud, in fact, having a fraud trial that opened in a few weeks, accused of rape by some women in a legal proceeding that may take place in a few weeks. Imagine the internal deliberations in the Trump Tower about those things. And then imagine if those deliberations had been leaked through a WikiLeaks platform to the American public. Imagine the impact. So, the only thing is we have to imagine it because that didn't happen. What happened instead is an ordinary political campaign with operatives talking about how they run a campaign and how they craft the message for the, for the candidate was leaked in ways that, that were designed to malign and designed to make Democrats, in a sense, um, feel embarrassed by their candidate. And the mainstream media were co-conspirators in this because they reported sort of without any 
um, active intervention or critical faculties, apparently, um, what WikiLeaks released. So it's not WikiLeaks on its own. It is WikiLeaks as a predictable and reliable source of information that was stolen by a state actor that was then dropped into a context of a very political context where a candidate that already, let's face it, had some issues with the public trusting her. I think opinion polls show that all through the campaign. And I think this is all of a piece. And the it wasn't even a slow drip drip. There were crescendos of um, releases here that added to the ability of one campaign to frame the other side as basically untrustworthy. And the rhetoric from Mr. Trump um, did the rest. Well, certainly the evidence is much stronger on the fact that it is Russia because they're all, you know, these security agencies in the U.S. have said so. And the only voice that says it's not is the person who's sending it out, Julian Assange. So do you think that this means Julian Assange has jumped the shark? Is he really no longer the freedom fighter that he used to be or that he started out as? Well, again, for those who believe in Julian Assange's mission, those who believe in the, in the mythos surrounding WikiLeaks that is basically injured and compromised, I place myself in that camp. You make a very good point about journalism. It's not just releasing information. It's creating a narrative from that information. But more and more, there seems to be a suggestion that curating or editing information is trying to control it. All release of information online is curation. The only question is whether the curation is implicit or explicit. In mainstream media, when they write stories, subject them to editorial discipline and standards of rigor and fact-checking, that is curation. It is curation to adopt an editorial position as well. It is also curation, a kind of curation, to collect information and just open it up in a fraught political environment in ways that have predictable outcomes. And I think that's what's happened here. So WikiLeaks is a curator every, much as, every bit as much as the New York Times is. It's just got a different style of curation that privileges big data. It privileges less, a less discerning eye on sourcing. It privileges speed of release against opposition. In fact, opposition to release, appeals to not release information, seem to engender uh, a reciprocal or reflexive rapid publication. I, I'm referring specifically to instances where personal identifying information has actually been released by WikiLeaks about non-public persons in the context of their broader desire to release information about public persons. And that's happened in this case as well. So it's not as if they get to avoid the blame by just saying the information wants to be free. Information doesn't want to be anything. People use and process information that information is either curated or not, or rather curated well or not, or curated with one perspective or not, but it isn't free of context and free of bias. That's just not the way humans process information. This is what concerns me. What concerns me is the public probably isn't aware of the extent to which Russia and other actors may be targeting critical infrastructure, and in this case, the U.S. election system to affect the outcome of that election. The preparation and the execution of this plan or strategy in this election through the leaks and the intersection with the email issue that already afflicted Mrs. Clinton's campaign, 
and the identities of the cyber actors that have been made public all point towards decisions made at the highest levels of the Russian government to target U.S. elections. There was also targeting of voter databases in a variety of states that caused DHS to, to provide assistance to at least 46 American states to make sure that the integrity of those voting processes and voting records was maintained. This is a new thing. Now we have the outcome of this election. There was no doubt which candidate the Russians favored. No doubt at all. Now what does that mean? That means that we have a, a new cyber Pearl Harbor definition, if you want to use that phrase. It's a phrase that sort of been orbiting the cybersecurity issue in the United States for at least 10 years. What we have is a cyber attack that impacted the conditions of the American election to the extent that it allowed one side an advantage. Now, some friends of mine would say that in a non-cyber context, countries often try and influence each other, try and influence each other's elections. And that This has happened during the Cold War and that there's no surprise it happens now. Um, I think that's true. I think what's unique about this is that cyber means were used to impact a U.S. presidential election and that the side that was apparently favored by Russia won. That's new. That's part of our political environment now. That's part of the environment in which WikiLeaks will leak again in the future, still arguing that they don't have any, any bias or any responsibility for the outcomes triggered by the information they release. I think that's a shame and it's an abdication of responsibility. I think equally, popular media who use this sort of information unquestioningly or discuss it and release it and then poo-poo people who ask questions about uh, the content and the bias that is injected into a political process share responsibility for the impact this has on our ability to hold free and fair elections. And I think the larger issue here beyond WikiLeaks and beyond cybersecurity is how do free democratic states protect themselves from the contamination of their free election systems and free speech rights or the exercise of free speech rights when a sophisticated cyber actor, a sophisticated influence operator targets those very processes and can have impact on the election. With cyber, it's much more likely to succeed. It's much harder to attribute. And the injury to the integrity and trust in democratic societies is probably much more profound. The best protection is probably a reputation that allows you to deter someone else from attempting to do so. And I think this is the, the underlying failure here is that Whatever one thinks about Russia and their relationship with the United States, they were not deterred from attempting a real unprecedented intervention into an American presidential election. And there's a whole set of questions as to why that is. So I think this is a deterrence failure. I think there's many people and maybe many processes that are responsible for this. But I think it's an inescapable conclusion that Russia was not afraid of undertaking operations where WikiLeaks was a useful tool, a useful idiot in, in my opinion, um, that allowed Russia to achieve some ends here. Uh, maybe not all of its ends, but certainly uh, they did not like Mrs. Clinton and to the extent that they were able to weaken Mrs. Clinton, they've been successful.
David Mussington is a cybersecurity and cybercrime and cyber defense expert and a senior fellow at CG's Global Security and Politics Program. To read articles by him and other fellows at the Center International Governance Innovation, go to cgonline.org, C-I-G-I-O-N-L-I-N-E dot O-R-G. CG is an independent, nonpartisan think tank on international governance. I'm Mary Ambrose.